Today, we're back in our series, Mark. Uh, you may not think we have time for it, but we do. I'm going to preach really fast and really loud, okay? We're back in our series, Mark, uh, and, and really this is Jesus um, drafting his first disciples. He's, he's having a little bit of a, of a football draft here, a fantasy football draft, and he's picking them along the Sea of Galilee, and he's saying, I want you to follow me. And as he does this, this is not an isolated incident. It's not Jesus saying, I want to draft these four men, and here's how. He's saying, I'm drafting you. I'm calling you. I'm not just calling them. I'm calling you. If God ordained the stars in this moment for you to be sitting in these chairs today, God is calling you to become a disciple and make disciples. If you don't believe in accidents, you don't believe that this world was just created, if you believe that God is intentional about who you are as a human, then you believe that he intentionally put you in that chair today, and he's not just calling these disciples, but he's calling you to be a disciple. And we use that word a lot today, that word disciple, and so I want to define it uh, because, you know, Language dictates culture. That's what we say here. Language dictates culture. We need to have the same language on the big things. This is one of those big things, all right? So here's the language of followers of Jesus. A devoted follower of Jesus who makes other devoted followers of Jesus, that word devoted is really important to us as well because you can't be devoted to 15 things, all right? Devotion is a very important word, and that's what it means for us to follow Jesus. You're devoted to him. You can't be devoted to 15 things. In other words... If you have real devotion to something, it takes up a major portion of your life. So me, I, I cannot be devoted to being a, a really good follower of Jesus, a really good husband, a really good father, a really good world traveler, and really good pastor. Something's got to go. In that case, just so you know, it's traveler. Like if I was devoted to snorkeling on five different continents, is that how many, I don't know how many continents there are. If I was devoted to snorkeling on five different continents, I would also be devoted to the couch. All right, my wife is, is very loving, but if I'm, if I'm traveling all over the world, get my snorkel on and leaving her with three kids, I'm going to be devoted to the couch as well. You get what I'm saying? So, so Jesus wants us to be devoted to him. And not only that, but he wants us to be what's called his source. He wants to be our source devotion. You know what a source devotion is? It means one devotion is always going to rise to the top. One devotion. My, my, my kids are always like, I, I'm like, who's your best friend? They're like, this person and this person. I'm like, you're, you're missing it. There's only one. Pick. All right, unfortunately, JD told one he wasn't his best friend after I said that. So that was a father mistake. I repented. All right? But you only, like, one thing is going to rise to the top. One devotion is going to rise to the top, and then it's going to feed all the other devotions. Jesus wants to be your source devotion that feeds all your other devotions. And today, he grabs these men by the Sea of Galilee, and he says, I want you to be devoted to me, follow me, and I want to make you into other devoted follower makers. All right? So let's, let's pray, and then let's watch this together. Um, God, we thank you that you're with us today. We thank you that you're not just calling Simon Peter and Andrew, but you're calling us. I pray that people would bend their ear this morning. I pray that we would leave our, our misconceptions, preconceived notions at the door about who we are and who the, the other people around us are, and we would just accept that you are calling us today, each and every soul in this room. In Jesus' name we praise things. Amen. All right, we're going to be in Mark 1, 16 through 20. Some of you are like, we're six weeks in and we're still not through the first chapter yet. Yes. Don't hate, participate. Here we go. Mark 1, 16 through 20. Passing alongside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon, that's Peter, and Andrew, the brother of Simon, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And Jesus said to them, follow me, and I will make you become fishers of men. 
These two verses are jam-packed. They're packed full. Uh, here's the first, the, the first notion that comes from this. It's that Jesus is calling them, and he's using their love language. He's using what makes sense to them. He's using what will speak to their heart and what will speak to their gut. So he's going to tell them what I told you from the get. I want you to follow me. I'm going to make you into follower makers. But he uses their language. Talks about fishing. That's what these men speak. Fishing language. I guarantee if they're at happy hour after, the church, after fishing, they're still talking fishing. When they're around their wives, their wives are like, are you seriously still talking about fishing? This is their love language. This is what they speak. So Jesus comes down to their love language and he says, I, I want to make you fishers of men. Here's one of my quick points. Like, don't be surprised if Jesus uses your love language to speak to you. Don't be surprised if Jesus swoops down from this, I mean, he's, he's in oversight of the world, and yet he swoops down to speak your specific love language because he wants to target your heart. If you don't speak someone's love language, you have the danger of isolating them, of not loving them, of not caring about them, right? Like I used to be a coach of, of boys' soccer. If I gathered them one day, and I'm like, boys, before the big game, I want you to think like this. I want you to think of this game like you are knitting a sweater. I want you to grab some pink yarn and some purple yarn, and I want you to crosshatch. Like, you've never crosshatched. But like, they're just going to be like, what? That's not, that's not their language. They're like, who are you? What are you, what are you speaking to me? I, I listened to this. I got a couple more examples. I listened to this guy called uh, N.T. Wright. His name's N.T. Wright. He's not called N.T. Wright. That's his name. All right? Uh, his name is N.T. Wright, and he's got this podcast, and he's like the, he's like the holy trinity of brilliant, right? Because he's got a British accent, which is like, bam. Uh, and, and he also is like in higher learning, and he's written like 45 books on the New Testament. Like, this guy is like the trinity of brilliant. Uh, and, and, and when he speaks, and I listen to him, I want to talk like him afterwards. My wife's like, can you open the pickle jar? And, and then I'm just like, it's weird. I'm like... Well, you know, when you open the pickle jaw, there's a bit of perspiration coming off the brow and condensation, and it just, the paradoxical way, and she's like, just open the pickle jar, bro. Like, what is, what is going on here? Because that's not your language, that's not my language. Why are you speaking another language? It just, when you don't, when you don't speak someone's language, it's not love, it's not intentional. One more example. When I was in Michigan, I was always behind the curve because people could build anything there or fix anything, and I could screw and unscrew a light bulb. Like, that was, my, that was about what I could do. I could paint, but it would be blotchy, okay? So I couldn't even really do that. So I, I, would, I would go into this circle of people standing around in a circle, uh, and, and, and I would try to work my way into the conversation, and they would be like, well, my, my water heater broke the other day, so I started to fix it. First, I was confused. Why are you starting to fix it? Why isn't somebody else fixing it? But I started to fix it, and I went to Home Depot, and I got a, a, a C-volt for the female lug nut, and I started, to, and I'm like, what are you people talking about? Not only did I not fit, but I just wanted to leave. Because I could not understand what these people are talking about. Right? And, and that's what language, like language doesn't just dictate culture. Uh, it, it dictates your belonging. It dictates your love. And here's what God knows about that. Like God knows if I can come down and speak your specific language, then I will target your heart and I will love you where you are at. That's what God knows. That's what he does. God knows that I am a C student guy from New York who speaks with his hands a lot, who once in a while accidentally cusses. Like, he knows this about me. He knows this is how I interact with him in passion. Don't cuss. Pastor's not telling you to cuss. Okay. 
He knows this is who I am. He does not want me to sanitize my language, sanitize who I am, try to talk in the King James Version as I, as I pray to him. He just wants me, for me and all of me, as I talk to him. Because it's one of God's greatest goals to just get to the, to the heart of the human, to get to the heart of where you're at and love you where, where you're at. So here are some application points. Like, First of all, don't be surprised if God is speaking your language. Second of all, it's okay to journal, to pray, to write in your language, to be exactly who you are. It's okay to do that. And additionally, find out someone else's love language. Like, who, who's, who's the neighbor that comes to mind? Who's, who's the friend that comes to mind? The face that comes into, into play here, where you're learning their love language. And you're just trying to speak it, because you want them to know the heart of God. Like, Satan will tell you in this moment, you're a fraud, you're a fake. You're not a fake, you're not a fraud. You're trying to love somebody. Like, if I go to someone's house and play Dungeons and Dragons with them, this is like the deepest form of love that I got. If I try to speak Dumbledore, if I don't know if that's a language or if it's in, I don't know. If I try to speak that, then that's love. That's me saying, your interests are more important than mine. Your language is more important than mine, and I love you enough to be with you, to just be right where you're at, because this is who God is. Like, God is teaching them to make disciples before he even asked them to make disciples. <laughs> He's saying, this is how I target humanity. I'm going to speak their language. I'm going to love them. I'm going to give them parables. Like, if you've ever read the Bible, you know that God uh, speaks to all of us in all of our different languages. Uh, God comes down, and, and he'll give us uh, athlete language, farmer language, higher learning language, fishing language, shepherd language, kingdom language, soldier language, every man language. This is what God does. He speaks right to you, right where you're at. For, for the next couple months, we're going to have some spoken word. Because for some of you, that's your language to connect to God. Poetry is your language to connect to God. For some of you, worship is your language to connect to God. And everybody else is there like, oh, I'm so bored right now. But you're like, and the stars will come. And then you're just singing your, your heart out. You don't even have a great voice. You don't even care. Because this is your language. This is what you speak. This is why we can't condemn the different flavors of churches around. Because everybody needs a different language to speak to the heart of man. Right? We, we just need different languages. And this is what God is going to do. And he tells us, I want you to find out what, what, what someone else's language is. Because I'm finding out what your language is. He says, I'm going to make you fishers of men. Watch this also. Let me throw back up the scripture. And Jesus said to them, follow me. Can y'all say that, that green word with me? Follow me and, I, oh, that was, here we go. And Jesus said to them, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. What is that three-letter word doing there? What is the importance of and? That three-letter word is, is what, ties the two fragments of, those two, of that sentence together, right? It marries them in, in holy matrimony. Like, Jesus said to them, follow me, and here's the marriage, and I will make you become fishers of men. Like, these two things should not be divorced. If I tell my wife, I, I, I'm going to the store, and I'm going to get some milk. Small tragedy, if I go to the store, and do not come back with milk. I've divorced the and, Right? I'm going to One World Trade Center, one WTC, and I'm going to take the path. Small tragedy if they shut down the path every weekend until the, the end of time. Anybody? Did you know that's happening? Yeah. Nobody cares about us. All right? Small tragedy. It gets bigger. The tragedy gets bigger. I'm going to, to jump out of a plane. I'm going to do skydiving, and I'm going to wear a parachute. It gets, it gets bigger, right? The tragedy gets bigger. 
That, that end is what ties those, those two fragments of that sentence together in holy matrimony. And if we divorce the and, then we strip out all the power and all the truth from that sentence. So let me ask you, do you feel like we've divorced the and maybe? Do you feel like you've divorced the and? The, the truth is, follow me and I will make you become fishers of men. There's an and there. And God is saying, I've married these two things in holy matrimony. And so if you're not desiring to become a fisher of man, like, like that's, what, that's what I see when I look around the landscape. I'm looking around and I feel like we've divorced the end because I see very few people with a fishing pole in their hand. I see very few people that, that see this as like a desire of theirs to, to get their neighbor to understand the gospel, to get their mother, to get their father to understand the nature of the gospel. We've just kind of adopted this whole thing, live and let live. I guess Dave Matthews Band said that at some point, and so let's just let it happen, right? That's not the Bible. Like, we're just, just let, let somebody live. I'm not going to bring them to the gospel. No, God has put a fishing pole in our hand, and if we're not fishing for men, we've divorced the ant. We've divorced it. It's a problem. It's like, I'm going to become a car salesman, and I'm going to sell Girl Scout cookies. You're not a car salesman. You're not a follower of Jesus if you have no desire to make other followers of Jesus. And that's hard for us to get. I told, I told the church that one time, uh, a guy left the church. I'm like, hey, man, where you been at? He's like, well, it just felt very judgmental that you said I wasn't a follower of Jesus if I wasn't making other followers of Jesus. I'm like, that's not judgmental. I'm just reading the text. We've divorced the and as a culture. We've divorced it. And God never asked us to divorce that. So uh, who are you praying for? Who are you fishing for right now? What are the faces that come to your conscience right now? Who are you inviting to church? Who are you inviting to the gospel? Uh, see, we don't just divorce the and here. We divorce the calling. Don't we? Because if you looked around the landscape right now, you would think that Jesus calls them to a religious learning community. He's calling them to make fishers of men. He's calling them to this transformational relationship and action. But you look around, and it's almost like Jesus called them. He went to the, he went to the, to the, to the, uh, the Sea of Galilee, and he's like, come follow me, and I will have you go to church once a week. That's what it looks like. We're divorcing the calling, not just the end, but the calling too. It's like, Jesus, I'm going to follow you, okay? I'm going this way. All right, I'm going this way. But no, no, no I'm going this way. Okay, but I'm going this way. I'll follow you, but I'm just going to go the other way. I got brunch. I got church. That's part of it, for sure. Part of it is this amazing environment where we learn the scriptures together, where we worship God, absolutely. But, but, but you would think that we divorce the calling because he doesn't call them to sit and learn. He doesn't call them to a religious cohort, to religion 101. He calls them to transformational relationship. He doesn't just call them to information. He calls them to transformation. He calls them to, to action. Like for the next three years, they're going to start loving the poor, feeding the poor, casting out demons, raising people from the dead together. They're going to start, they're, they're going to start uh, preaching in environments, absolutely. But they're going to start doing gospel things together in transformational relationship. I think we've not just divorced the end, but we've divorced the calling. I mean, they're so passionate about this that 11 out of the 12 die forward the gospel. One is boiled alive. Mark, our, our author here, is said to have been dragged by horses until he died. They, they weren't called to a religious learning cohort, to a class. 
They were called to transformational relationship. Deep transformational relationship and action that follows. I just feel like we've, we, not only have we divorced the end, but we've divorced the calling. And, and I wonder if we can tie those back in together. So he calls them by their love language first, and then he tells them, oh, look, I'm, I'm going to put your feet uh, to action. I'm going to have you make other followers of Jesus. And here's the hard one, and I'm going to spend the most time on this one because it is the hardest one, and it, it's been hard for me, and I know it's, it's going to be hard for you, but he also calls them to leave. He calls them to leave. Watch this. And Jesus said to them, follow me and I'll make you become fishers of men. And immediately they left their nets and followed him. And going a little farther, he saw James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, who were in their boat mending the nets. And immediately he called them and he left their father, uh, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat and the hired servants and followed him. Some of you will be called to leave your net and some of you will be called to leave your father. Some of you will be called to leave both. No matter what, when you follow Jesus, there is going to be a wake of things that you left behind. God is asking you to travel light. He's asking you to travel light. Like, the father thing, that, that, that's, that's, very, that's very blatant, right? Like, it's, it's out there for everyone to see. If you leave your parent, everybody knows you left your parent for the sake of the gospel. And God will bless you because of that. Actually, in the gospels, it says that Jesus loves you uh, and will repay you a hundredfold in eternity if you leave father, mother. Okay, so we got that. Like, th- that's important, absolutely. But some of you are going to be asked to leave something more subtle or a hundred things more subtle. Have you ever thought about this? Like, why'd they leave their net? Then that's fine. It's like one of these things that goes over your shoulder. I, I did the study. These are not big nets. These are not things that don't fit. These are things that fit. Like you just throw it over your shoulder. It's a one or two man net. They stand on the edge of shore. They stand on the edge of the boat. They throw it in together or one throws it in. They hold onto the string and then they pull the string up in like a parachute fashion. A bunch of fishies come up and they eat the fish. Like that's, that's what they're doing here. And then they, throw, they clean the net. They throw it over their shoulder and they move on. So, so, so I'm, I'm thinking, why y'all leaving your net? It's, it's, very, it's very easy. It's an accessory. Like, if it's uh, Beats by Dre headphones, I'm just, I'm putting them in. Okay, Jesus, I'm going to follow you, and I'm bringing my Beats by Dre, right? Just in case I get bored, I'm bringing my headphones. Feels like that's what the net is for me. I just throw the net over the shoulder. Just, like, just in case this whole Jesus thing doesn't work out, just in case he gets, like, crucified or something, let's, let's bring the net. And let's just use the net later on. What do you think about that? Let's just use the net later on. God is clearly asking us to leave our net. Because the net is a backup plan. When I go to my parents, I bring like nothing. <laughs> Anne's always like, what are you bringing? I'm like a backpack with socks. Like that's, that's what I bring. She's got this whole case uh, for the kids and herself. It's, it's this big and it's, it's three kids and her and then I got a small backpack. Uh, clearly, my prep time is much easier than hers when it comes to traveling. When we go to my parents, I bring absolutely nothing. I just bring some socks. Because I know when I get there, I'm going to treat their house like it's Walmart. I'm going to say, where's the toothpaste? Where's the toothbrush? They got the body wash. They got the shampoo. Right? They got it all. My, my dad's got sweatshirts. If I get cold, my dad's got some sweatshirts. My mom's got the most comfortable pants on all the planet. She has a bunch, like what she wears for most of the day when she's home is a, like a, a boy shirt. And so I'm going to wear some of them t-shirts. I know that when I, when, when I go there, I'm going to travel light because I'm going to be taken care of. 
I can trust them. I can depend on them. It's almost like the lighter you travel, the more you are dependent and trust on the person that you're going to see. Are y'all following me? The lighter you travel, the, easy, the, easy I, the easier I know that you're depending on the person that you're going to hang out with. Like, I know, I know my parents got my back. I know they're never going to let me down. Even if I bring nothing, my mom is going to go shopping for me right there. It doesn't matter if I'm 34 years old this month. Like, she's going to go shopping. Come on, baby, let's go shopping. I'm going to get you something. I know my parents are going to take care of I can trust them. I could jump off a roof, and they're going to get a net, and they're going to try to catch me, and I trust them with my life. I trust them with my heart, with my mind. And the lighter you travel, the more you trust the person you're going to see or the person that you're following. Jesus, throughout the scriptures, always asks us to travel light. At one point, he even asked the people, don't even bring an extra tunic. An extra tunic they would sleep on. It's cold in the desert sometimes, and so they'd wear it. He said, don't even bring that. God will provide. God will take care of it. And if you follow Jesus, I promise, I promise, if you follow Jesus, he's going to ask you to travel light. He's going to ask you to leave a bunch of stuff, a bunch of people, a bunch of things behind. As I'm a pastor, um, I have been asked to leave a bunch of things behind, and coincidentally, Anne, because she's one with me, has to leave things too, right? And so God has asked us to leave a bunch of things. Our first child, we, we walked out, or we, she had the child, she did all the work, um, and it wasn't like I could walk out into the, you know, the, the delivery like waiting room and go, it's a girl, because there was nobody there, <laughs> It was just us. For all three kids, nobody was there. God asked us to leave our family. That's what he did. We saw them a couple times a year, but he asked us to leave our family behind, to follow him. God has asked me to leave addictions behind. He's asked me to leave small comforts. Now he's asking me to leave my phone a lot more than I am. Right? God asked me to leave stuff behind all the time. He's asked me to leave money. Uh, healthcare. He's asked me to leave a whole bunch of stuff. And as I travel light, I can go, here, oh God, I trust you, God. What do you got for me? What's, what's your net? What's he asking you to leave behind? You can't follow Jesus if you're not leaving something behind. And some, some of you, this is going to hurt a lot because you're figuring out right, right now in your head, you're like, what do I need to leave behind? But I promise you, Jesus is going to ask you to count the cost before you follow him. That's what he does in the scriptures. He's, he tells you the cost of being a disciple. He even says, you need, you need to despise your mother and father if you're going to follow me. Now, people take that out of context, right? They take that out of context. They're like, what does it mean? to Should I hate my mom? No, no, no. Obviously, Jesus, like the main whole thing is like to love your neighbor as yourself. So obviously, he wants you to love your mother. Okay? He's not saying hate your mother. He's saying be willing to leave anything at any time or you can't follow me. Oh, man, that's tough. I'm asking you to really measure out your heart. Worship team, come on up here. Really measure out your heart this morning and ask yourself, what is my net? What is my net? What is my comfort? Is it a relationship? Is it a girlfriend? Is it a boyfriend? Is it something deeper than that? Is it an online relationship? Is it a job? Is it a salary? Like you're like, if I don't get this salary... I can't live. And God's like, hold up, I got you. 
I got you. If I'm asking you to do something, I got you. What is it? Let's pray, and let's ask God to be in our hearts as we, as we pray. God, I don't know what net people are holding on to right now. And I don't know what kind of pain will come with leaving that thing behind. But I know whenever I travel light, you have my back. And I don't find out how deeply you have my back until I travel light. And so maybe, God, that's the problem. Maybe that's why we're all so comfortable in Christianity and we're not finding the depth and the radical nature of Christianity that you want us to is because we have a hard time really depending on you and we really have everything that we need. And we're not getting good at leaving stuff behind. Maybe, maybe that's one of the major issues here. So would you be in this room? Would you tell us what to leave? Would you tell us how to trust you? Would you tell us how to give? you tell us how to, how, to, how to not depend on things or people or just, 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 just speak to us all individually right now in this room. We trust you and we leave our nets at the altar today in Jesus' name. Amen.